as a community, we look at the word trauma as one of those uh, hush hush words. Come in fall 2023. It's a stigma around that word. Like nobody wants to be labeled or be classified under that. Angela Marie Publishing proudly presents. If you look at it, trauma is merely just being exposed or voluntarily or involuntarily to a situation um, that changes your outlook. Sit in your sh a 30-day guided journal for processing a crisis. Okay, so I have a question for y'all older ones. Uh -oh. When you think about, you know, your legacy and preparing those who are, you know, around to like remember your legacy the way that you want it to be remembered, what do you do? Or do you not ever, mm. you know, think about that? Mm. I think about it, but not in the sense that, you know, uh, for the world but more so about my sons you know uh like it, uh, the, the thing is is you know most people are trying to be famous or they're trying to get out there and things like that but honestly your legacy is really built up with within your family you know what i mean you know tupac said that I can't get everybody to listen, but if I spark that one, you know, that, that that's all that matters. And I think legacy really is about, you know, doing the best for the ones that's coming up that's after you. And they, they, they are the ones that really define what your legacy is. More, not more so what you do in the world, but what you do for your family and those close to you. That's a great answer, because um, I think that that's that's kind of the way that I, I think a legacy too. Uh, you know, especially because we all have an expiration date. Uh, you know, we all will be a part of the afterlife at some point. Um, when I think about legacy, I think about your tribe that you're leaving behind, because those are the people that 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 truly either carry on your legacy or destroy it. Um, so that's, that's a really loaded question, uh, because I don't know if I necessarily think about it or, I, or I've necessarily thought about it from a personal standpoint, um, with, with, you know, what happens after I'm gone, but I do think about quite often, I think about, uh, how those of us that are still here in my family bloodline, how are we honoring the legacy of those that came before us? So I think I think about that more often than I think about uh, what will happen after I'm gone. You know, because like, uh, and I'll, I'll even expound on that, man. Like, uh, one of the things that I, that I didn't find out until um, later in life, probably after I graduated high school and was, you know, in my college years is that uh, my paternal grandmother, my father's mother, uh, she actually was a very big civil rights activist in Kansas City. Uh, she actually ran for mayor as well. Uh, she was on the uh, original committees um, for like the welfare rights organizations. Uh, she was on the committee that 
um, um, approved and pushed for the Vine District. She was on the committee that approved and pushed for them tearing down the high rise project. So like my grandmother had a very big legacy that I don't think that um, my family and bloodline, like, you know, my generation, I just don't think that we were exposed to it enough. Like the family didn't talk about it enough. So, you know, um, fast forward in the timeline, um, man, a lot of us, you know, and I, this is like, like I said, this is what I think about. I think about myself. I think about my siblings, some of my cousins and how we've done our part in contradicting her legacy. So uh, very loaded question, but uh, hopefully I didn't get, you know, veer too much off course with that. But that's that's kind of where my thoughts go. No, I, I love that. I love that. And, you know, that um, your response really impacted me. I love Donald's response as well. But, you know, Rodney, um, the reason why your response really impacted me is because sometimes I feel like men tend to think about their legacy more than women, just in my experience. I feel like men tend to think about what they represent, what they, you know, stand for, making sure that other people understand their standards, other people understand how to respect them. Whereas with the women, I feel like, you know, we're kind of more focused on the here and now, like our happiness and making sure that other people are taken care of and not necessarily thinking about the, the, the legacy or, or what our name will represent when we're gone. So some of the sisters in the room, you know, what do y'all have to say on that? Is it just me or do y'all kind of feel like that too? Okay. Don't everybody speak at once. I am old, pushing the wrong buttons. No, I, I, I actually <laughs> am old. Uh, I've been trying to come off a of mute for just a couple of seconds there. Okay, <laughs> so... I was pushing the wrong thing. But yeah, I most definitely agree um, with you, Princess. Um, also, like, I was intrigued by kind of how Rodney said it. It was expanding on what Donald said, but just um, the way that uh, Rodney said it is sometimes we're just kind of focused on what we are to be kind of carrying on. But I do think that that overlaps the fact that we want our our tribe to carry on the similar stuff. So we're kind of inadvertently, you know, carrying out our own legacy because we are really focused on, you know, honoring those before us. And because we're doing that, that's what we are instilling in our tribe and, and hopefully for that to carry on and then basically update it, you know, how technology goes and how things update. You don't want to forget what you've been honoring, but then you also want to know make sure that tribe has the necessary um, tools and things that will allow them to carry on what's pertinent to carry on and also to adjust what's not because you know how you have those generational things that aren't worth carrying on so but I do agree with what you said princess oh, that makes me really wish that I would have met Rodney's paternal grandma because it seems like she really left the impact you know not not just on her family but like her her surrounding community her neighborhood like she was known um you know just to like have that conversation with her about is she you know what's driving her I guess to kind of be motivated and to to have that type of impact is it for her legacy 
or is it because of the fact that she knows that the community needs change and needs those pillars? Is it because of her purpose? Is it some blend of all of them? But I don't know, now that I'm on the other side of 30, you know, I've had quite a few deaths occur over the past three years. I'm sure everybody has. These are just questions that's been lingering in my mind. And, you know, it's kind of hard to really know, especially because I don't have kids, right? Like Donald, he knows what he's intentionally teaching his children and teaching his offspring. But someone like me who don't have kids, it's kind of like, well, what, what am I leaving behind if I were to just be gone right now? Right. Like what would people rem remember of me or, you know, what am I doing to make sure that the impact for lost loved ones, um, the positive impact from lost loved ones is being infiltrated into other people through me? Just some thoughts. That's big. Hey, hey, Holly Rock, boy, that's big. I didn't know that, bro. All these years, mm -hmm. I've been knowing you. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? That, like, yeah. that's, yeah, boy, hey, boy, that's, that's, that's one for the books. You know yeah, what I mean? Absolutely, absolutely man. I'll, you know, uh, for those, that are, those of us that are from Kansas City, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure everybody, you know, remembers when my sister was on the run and being flashed on the news every every segment uh eventually ended up on america's most wanted uh but that was one of the things that um i've actually fell out with my sister about um just you know because we shared the last same last name as my grandmother right you know it's, it's the henderson bloodline and so you know depending on what generation hears that last name you know from some of those you know local communities they may have a different perspective on that legacy and that last name and what it represents. Um, and, and that's something that the older I got, it, it bothered me, bro. It bothered me a lot, um, especially because of the type of woman that my grandmother was, just to kind of uh, circle back to what, what Princess was saying. Um, my grandmother, it was community-based. All of her uh, motivation was community-based. And um, it actually kind of came along with some trauma uh, for the generations that came after her, because, you know, my grandmother, she, she raised all of her children, uh, in the projects, in the high rises, when they tore the high rises down, you know, she moved from Wayne Minor to Parker Square, you know, with the new projects, um, you know, the, the, the low rises and the townhouses. Um, and so, you know, when, by the time my generation came around, uh, my grandmother and my family bloodline, um, it, it is of my understanding that we didn't have to continue to be living in the projects as a family, right? But my grandmother, she refused to move out of the projects because of so many people that she was attached to in the community. And uh, and so that was something that, like I said, once once I once I found out, you know, who my grandmother was in the community before my time, you know, I, I did kind of question some things and uh she broke it down to it just like that. She was just like, you know, the thing about us overcoming struggle is that um, if everyone in our circle hasn't overcome that struggle, then we all are still in that same struggle together with them, uh, regardless if, if our addresses have changed. So it was like a lesson that she was trying to teach us 
uh, and like I said, it came around, it came with, with some trauma because I mean, we were, we were in, you know, one of the, you know, most impoverished neighborhoods in the world. And, and, uh, so we were, you know, exposed to all of the, you know, the gang activity, the drug infested, uh, corners and, and, and all of those things played a part in shaping our character, uh, as far as my generation is concerned. But, uh, there was a lesson to be learned there that, um, the older that I got, I started to understand that lesson a little more. Now, I don't know if I would take that same route. Um, you know, there's, there's always a lot of conversation in our community um, about do you put your kids, intentionally put them through struggles to teach them lessons? And, um, you know, I'm kind of on the fence on that. It's, it's, it's kind of a thin line in terms of my perspective on that. But, um, yeah, that's, that, that's who my grandmother was. Well, I'm glad I got the meter. Absolutely, man, because you showed a bit down. <laughs> <laughs> I showed have been down there. You know yeah, what I mean? Sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sure, bro. I, I even got sure. some of that cooking. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Definitely, Thank man. Thank you for sharing. Um, oh, I wish I would have met her, but I... I I just want to be um, responsive, Rodney, if you don't mind, to to the chat. We have Miss Kiki Robinson here, and um, she shared with us, you know, that she has lost a loved one this afternoon. Um, so, you know, definitely just want to acknowledge that in this space, because that's what we're here for. We're here for you. Thank you for sharing. We'll definitely be praying for you um, and keeping your family uplifted in our good thoughts. Um, our condolences, our deepest condolences. Yeah, absolutely. Thoughts and prayers. Uh, we'll add uh, her cousin to our prayer list um, and uh, and go from there. And for anybody else, um, whether it was recent or some time ago, if you if you have a name or even just you know if you want to just put your family name for us to add to our thoughts and prayer list, we'll 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 get those names added to the list. So. Definitely, uh, our condolences go out to Miss Robinson and her family. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I, I, if I were to just share some words of encouragement, maybe it's more advice because I don't think there really is any way that you get over someone that you lose, right? I think you just kind of learn how to massage the feelings, right? When, especially if you're having a, a, an intense moment of, of grief that might slap you. I, I would just say, think on the good memories, you know, like they are so powerful and they'll get you so far in terms of being able to overcome those moments of grief and heartbreak and um, even suffocation, I dare say it. I don't know if it's just me, but, you know, I don't know if anyone else wants to say words of encouragement or, or just, you know, share some words of advice. But someone said that to me right after I lost my father is when you're in those moments, Think on the good times and the good memories. I have a question for anyone that um, may want to answer. Um, so I know, like Princess just said, when we lose a loved one, we try to find the good things to hold on to. But how do you um, keep from being stuck in that moment of loss? Like I know... Um, they always say time heals wounds, but sometimes you look up three years later and you still feel like you're in that same place that you were in 
when you lost that loved one. So what are some tools? What are some things um, that we can do for ourselves to make sure that we're progressing in our healing journey of grief? Let me uh, let me chime in because I actually was just uh, having this conversation recently. Um, you know, for me, like, and, and I talk about this all the time. I, my my first experience with grief was losing my mother. It's been thirty years. Uh, like Miss Devin said, um, I, I, I've always believed that the, the concept of, of time healing all is is sort of a delusion because uh, <clears throat> I'm always triggered thinking about uh, my mother's death and uh, it's a domino effect because like I said, that was, that was the first experience and I've lost uh, many a loved one since then. One of the tools that, that um, I try to do because, you know, I get emotionally um, triggered very, very easily. Uh, one of the things that I try to do is um, I try to relive memories through either music or TV shows or movies that, um, you know, that I know my loved ones love, um, you know, things that they were entertained by that, that, that we found some entertainment in together. Um, you know, I watch a lot of reruns of certain stuff um, just so that I'm not stuck in that down moment. Um, and, you know, I find myself even in those moments, I still get emotional and I'll be shedding tears but they feel more like tears of joy um, because I can recall on those memories. Like there's some, um, you know, I was watching like Martin and Fresh Prince uh, recently. And like, there's some scenes that I immediately can hear my loved ones laughing with me at those scenes because we watched them together. So for me, um, I, I just try to relive. I, I, I say, you know, a lot of people will call that stuck in the past because I'm watching reruns and, you know, playing things that are not as recent. Um, but it helps a lot for me to um, have a little bit more control and manipulation over my overall mood. Uh oh! You're Rope. kind of there. far away, Brian. There we go, Brian. We, Doctor Roper, we we hearing those same, them same uh, distant uh, audio feeds from you, brother. That's your iPhone. That ain't Samsung. Oh wait a minute. Now, now I can hear you. Now I can hear you. Okay, wait a minute. Maybe I got to put on maybe headphones. Maybe you want to speak into the mic. You had to. No, you had to phone up. I had to put on headphones to talk to. I got it. So one of the things that uh, Mike Grimes told me is grief, right? In those moments, if it hits you and you need to cry, cry. We've been taught that something is wrong with tears. We've been taught that it's something wrong with missing people after years, right? So what happens with me a lot of times is I'll go someplace and they say, you look just like your daddy. Not realizing that's a trigger. But I embrace it, you know, like, hey, I do look like my dad. And then I deal with that. And if it makes me sad, I cry. If it makes me smile, I smile. If it makes me laugh, I laugh. I just embrace the emotion and then I choose my action. Right. So I feel the emotion, but I choose how I act or, you know, you don't always want to cry around people or do all that. But, yeah, I just I feel the emotion, but I choose how I act. Right. So. I'm in 
like this this weekend, family reunion. They asked me to preach at it because my dad was a preacher. I'm a I'm a minister. So now I have to step in my my dad's shoes. Makes me feel good, but at the same time, it triggers a memory. And I'm gonna cry tonight. But tomorrow I'm gonna get up and do everything I need to do because I understand that those tears aren't bad and crying isn't bad and missing people isn't bad. It's the condition of the heart that all humans have. If you have any humanity, you should miss people. You should cry because they're gone. You should laugh at, at memories. You should smile at memories. You can remember bad times. That's normal and there's no ending period to how long you should grieve a person. I think that's just something that we've been taught and it's just been taught wrong to us. And that's my say on that. I really love that. Choose your action. Like, yeah, you know, it, it comes with identifying your emotion. Like it's a, a process. And for me, I'm very kind of process oriented. So understanding how I'm feeling and then choosing what I'm going to do with that feeling like that, that just spoke to my spirit. So I appreciate you for saying that. So over the years, <clears throat> all the grief, you know, that I've kind of experienced and those that experience around me, um, interesting because actions is one of the first things on my list. But I kind of have like a checklist, like self-evaluation kind of process that I go to go through. So, you know, if you're feeling stuck, same like as, as my sis said, I am a very processed person, step by step. What it, what can I do? Um, but I've kind of um, developed kind of this a b c d e f thing um but don't be stealing this y'all i ain't put it in print yet but basically <laughs> you know how you have like cya you know that cya cover you you know what i so i have the cy a b c d e f so a is actions so it's instead of cover is check so it's check your actions you know, like when you're feeling stuck, make sure you're not making these weird moves and <laughs> reacting to things and make sure you're taking time to evaluate kind of where you at. Um, check your beliefs. That's the B. My favorite word is believe. So you take it all the way to what what do I believe about this situation, about what has happened? What do I believe about God, faith, all of those things? You, you think about what you believe in. And then I go to check your control what's in my control you know in this very moment what can i change about it what can i not change about it if i'm stuck on something that i can't control you basically just provided yourself an unlimited amount of time to be stuck because if you can't control it then that feeling is going to stay the same so don't focus on the things that you can't control you want to focus on things that you can <clears throat> and then the um <clears throat> the d is decision so check your decisions so while you're feeling that way and while you're feeling stuck and while you're in that low place, check the decisions that you make. Like, you know, there's a saying, don't make permanent decisions when you're in a temporary state. So feelings, believe it or not, are temporary. So facts are forever. Feelings are temporary. So if you're in a temporary state and you're feeling some type of way, check the decisions that you're making while you're in that temporary state and don't make major decisions or life altering decisions. And the E is expectation. So check your expectations. You probably want to even honestly minimize, lower your expectations because we don't have to be okay all the time. 
So as the doctor mentioned as well, let it go. If you need to cry, cry. If you need to take a, a day, you know, to yourself, if you need to, you know, practice some self-care, if you need to laugh, kind of how, you know, Rodney said, like, um, lower your expectations, be kind to yourself and do, you know, the things that will kind of help you through that moment. And then the F is fear. So check your fear. There is a saying that I um, heard someone like years ago, it is that we create what we fear. So if there's something that we are afraid of, so we're afraid to be happy because we lost someone, that, that's a part of it too, just allowing ourselves to live and, and actually live, not just survive um, and maintain, you know, to actually thrive. We sometimes feel guilty when we've lost the most important people in our life. You know, I've lost my mom, my dad. How dare I be happy, you know, and successful and all that stuff when that's such a major loss. So you have to like, again, just kind of I go through these kind of checklists and whichever one is kind of more pertinent at that time. I kind of focus on that one. Um, but another thing is just live in the moment. So just live in, in the moment that you're in at that time. And then also you can adjust your mood in that moment. Like, man, laughing is like a whole thing <laughs> for me. So like, I make sure to watch clips. Um, Martin is most definitely one of them. Family Feud, things like that. I typically go to bed watching that type of a video, like cracking up laughing before I go to sleep to help me release any um, levels of, you know, like sadness or being stuck or things like that. So I try to kind of end my evening on a laugh. But that's in a nutshell, the kind of things that I kind of go through not to be stuck. All right. So I know I know uh, I don't know if Ms. Davin going to do it or 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 if I'm going to be the one to apply this pressure. But um miss nico we waiting on you to go ahead and and uh set up this this content pitch meeting so we can uh get you published because you definitely got some uh some jewels that the community could use uh Here so definitely go. definitely thank you for sharing that um because that that is that was very profound that was very 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 enlightening um and that's something that can be put to immediate use uh by, by all of us in the community so uh, I definitely commend you for that, uh, Miss Devin. Get your sister in order, uh, so she can, so she can get to work because she got sitting on some very very valuable jewels, and and uh, I just really appreciate uh, her sharing that with us today. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> and um, let me not uh be remiss and, and and not 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 miss uh uh, uh opportunity to mention miss devon and, and and her newest project sit me your shit right. uh the the link is actually here up in the pen links uh so you can pre-order that journal now she, she's provided us with a 30-day guided journal uh for processing the crisis and uh there are some very very helpful tools so uh i won't steal all of the shine i'll let miss devon chime in uh as she sees fit uh, but there was one section in, in the journal uh, about grieving uh, that, that stood out to me. So uh, I won't I won't uh, go into the details. I'll let Ms. Devin do that. But definitely uh, for those that uh, have not pre-ordered their copy, make sure you click that link and, and uh, you know, support support a black author 
uh, and uh, you know get a, get a very resourceful tool to help you process some of these uh, some of these moments. So without further ado, Devin is gonna. I know. I'm like, hold on, them. let me get myself together. <laughs> that came so quick. No, look, per <laughs> perfect segue. Cause uh, yeah, that that whole thing, sis, was fire. Look, somebody in the comments was like, I should have brought a pen and paper. But oh. honestly, seriously, um, I mean, the crazy thing is I am so honored to be a part of communities like this where we are encouraging and speaking life into one another. Uh, it, it's, it's so crazy that we often isolate ourselves thinking that we're going through our own shit by ourselves. And we are really all going through the same thing. It just has a different face, a different name. Um, and it, it feels good when we can come together and and pour into each other um, we can pick up nuggets and jewels from each other i mean there's so many other communities that do it and we are the last to kind of jump on the bandwagon so um first off i just want to thank rodney and princess for creating such a platform that allows us to come together as a people to um learn from grow from heal from one yes. another and i just pray that we all continue to bring a friend bring a family member because griefing isn't just about losing a loved one um i've been divorced twice so i had to grieve uh what i thought was going to be my forever two different times and i'm walking into a new season of love where i have to make sure that um I'm mindful, like it's okay sometimes when I grieve, when I'm triggered by past relationships or things that I wanted to work or me being 37 and being embarrassed that I'm walking into my third love, my third love relationship where I'm looking at marriage again. And sometimes because of my own issues and my own inability to heal from a certain area, I'm putting that into my new relationship and I'm apprehensive about being married again because it, it's a shameful place. So um, that's where part of my griefing comes from. So I just wanted to kind of give that because everybody grieves different for one and everybody grieves different things. So again, like I said, I'm grieving a divorce right now. You can grieve uh, a job loss. You can grieve friendships, like everything that we hold on to that we lose can cause us to grieve. So um, a, just a snippet from the journal. Um, it was my day nine and I am very raw and genuine and authentic in this journal. So uh, I'm going to just say sorry right now to Brother Roper. It's some cussing up in here. But um, yeah, so day nine. Hold on, hold on. Before you do that, before you say your day nine, I want to tell you, uh -huh. I've, been I've been married. This is my third marriage. I'm, I'm on my third marriage. and It'll be five years in January. So and you can't shame me. Rodney will tell you. <laughs> Okay. okay. <laughs> I just be wanting to be respectful and put my disclaimers because you never no, know who's in the audience. No, no, I, I ain't want to. I, I, I know I ain't one of them ministers. I, I keep it. I keep it a hundred percent. I try not to cuss myself, but uh, we all just sinners uh, trying to get in. So Amen. speak as free as you need to, sis. Come on, I appreciate you. So day nine goes a little something like this. Um, fuck the five steps of grief. 
they say the five steps of grief are one, denial and isolation, two, anger, three, bargaining, four, depression, and five, acceptance. Who made this list and gave it an order? My steps of grief have been denial and isolation, anger, confusion, depression, bargaining, back to anger, denial, more anger, more depression. Hell, I'm yet to experience acceptance. For the first time dealing with any trauma, I've actually sat in this shit, felt this pain. I fought my thoughts, beat myself up, asked myself so many questions. I blamed others. I blame myself. Blaming myself was the hardest place to come out of. Every time I thought of the situation, it always fell back on me. How could my husband try to kill me? My answer was, you could have proved you wasn't cheating on him, Devin. Why didn't he love me enough to protect me from him? My answer was, you chose him, Devin. Next question. He could have told me about his mental illness. Did you give him a safe, a safe space to feel comfortable enough telling you this, Devin? No matter what he did, I made it my fault. I put myself in harm's way. I put my parents in harm's way. And I could have put my children in harm's way. And I ruined my ex-husband's life. But did I really? I can't plan to be in control of all things, right? Hell, I still don't know. But what I do know is that I'm alive. My parents are alive, my children are alive, and we are all safe. There's a blessing in that and that alone. In order to pull myself out the darkness, I had to counteract every negative thought with a positive affirmation. I had to look myself in the mirror and tell myself, look here, that's enough of the damn pity party. Time to level up and focus on getting out of this shit. It's okay to have bad days, but ain't no more bad weeks. And I encourage the readers to write down how you remember or currently processing your steps of grief. It's totally okay if you repeat a few steps, but write down what you remember. So I encourage right now the audience, when you think about when you're dealing with grief, what stage do, would you say you're currently in? Oh, wait. Whoa. Come on now, sis. Get us together. Get us together, cause um, you know it's tough, man. Like I think um, I'll I'll, I'll defer to, to to everybody else if, if they wanted to answer that question, um, because you know for me I think that I go through all of those stages, um, in in a single instance, right? Like I think that uh, there's not enough time, in my opinion, that passes before I'm going from one stage to the next and even like repeating stages. So. Um, I, I definitely, that was one of my favorite sections in the journal, Miss Devin, uh, where you said who, who came up with this list, right? Like, you know, who came up with the order of this list? Uh, because it's, it's, it's always going to be different for everybody. And, um, I do also believe, uh, I love the fact that you spoke about, um, grieving doesn't have to necessarily be for someone that has transitioned. Uh, grieving is a, is a process that, you have when you when you have loss of attachment in general. So, you know, I've grieved for a lot of loved ones that are actually still living and breathing. Um, and so everybody grieves different. I think every um, individual case may produce different stages of that process. 
at different times. But for me, I go through all of those stages. Um, if I hit one stage, I'm, it's, it's not very long before I'm at another stage and I'm just kind of bouncing all over the place. Mm. Can I piggyback off that? Cause I agree, um, with that. Cause I, uh, deal, deal with grief a lot and, um, I go through all those stages sometimes in one day. So yeah, I lost my mom when I was 15 and I'm 31 now. So I go through all those stages because there's so many things in my life that my mother has missed and that as a growing, as a growing, a growing girl and as an adult. So I go through all those, you know, stages through life with grief. So I agree. My condolences to you, um, Shay. Thank you for sharing. Uh, it don't matter how much time has passed. I, I always feel like, um, you know, condolences are, are doing welcome. Thank you. For me, I tend to stay stuck in blaming myself, right? And I'm not going to talk about my dad, but uh, I went to prison for 15 years. My daughter was two. I got out when she was a senior in high school. And I and I blame myself for not being a parent. And I've grieved it, even to the point where she's had her own children. And I'm like, all I can think about is the years I missed. So sometimes it's it's it gets overwhelming. And I just, you know, sometimes we get just stuck in that shame and that toxic and it becomes toxic and we don't know how to break out of it. So Devin, since you're on here, could you speak to how you can maybe get some over some of that toxicity that we feel when we're when we're grieving? Ooh, um, well, first, like I stated, it starts within ourselves, but I would be um, remiss if I did not say that it it also helps to have a community um, of support. Uh, my sister, uh, my god sister's on the line with us and she is like my biggest hype man. Just even speaking from grieving this divorce and going into my third marriage, like she will drop some gems on me. Like, girl, it's people out here that ain't even been engaged once, but you got three different men that seen qualities in you that made them want to marry you. So it's not them. You, you are the prize. They just can't handle the prize. So having people like that in your corner that will adjust your crown when it's crooked, having people that speak life into you is essential because there's just going to be some days where you don't see it. And even if you do see it, you don't want to believe it. And even if you don't want to believe it, you can't have enough strength to speak it to yourself. So I would say first check who you have around you. Um, I made a post today um, that when a storm is brewing, you you got to make sure you're not telling certain people that. Like I really said, go through it by yourself until you come out. But I, I needed to make sure that I mentioned people can be around, but you got to have the right people around when you're going through storms because there will be people that will pour you down and they're praying on you to fall down. But you got to have those ones that are able to lift you up and that have the right things to say. When you're dealing with mental health, Sometimes people mean well, but they don't say the right things. And it's important that in order to get out of those places of darkness, those places of funk, that you have real light 
pulling you up. So that's my first thing. Um, but then when it comes back to the person, that person has to make an intentional decision to want to be better. You like I get up every morning and I tell myself, like, I I got to think different. I got to if I really want this new marriage to work, I have to think different. I have to know that I'm worthy, regardless of if I was in one marriage, two marriages, four marriages, I'm worthy to be in this marriage. It's funny, like um, planning my marriage, my wedding now. Um, both of my sisters are on the line and they are both like excited. And I'm like, oh, I'm a kind of uh, just wear this little dress because this is my third way. My sister's like, it's your last marriage. And if it's not, this is a marriage. So you're going to go all out like you. And it's just those those, like I said, those positive hype men that remind you that you got to change your thinking so that you can be everything you're supposed to be in the current season that you're in. Sometimes we get complacent with thinking about the past and, and bringing all that baggage and tire, drop that shit off. <laughs> like you cannot keep being the bag lady. I think about this song by Erica Badu all the time. And I kind of chuckle because it's so true. Like, you're carrying all these bags and wonder why your back hurt, wonder why your head hurt, wonder why your marriage is falling apart because you're bringing all this baggage and all this grief and all this pain into something that God is trying to bless you with. So you can't receive with a closed hand. So let that shit go and let God pour into you. Let, let the current season that you're in be the season that blossoms you and intentionally intentionally think of healing each day and intentionally apply the skills that you're learning when you're in communities like this when people are giving you tools that work for them pick them mugs up and put them in your tool belt and try them use them and see if they work and i'll just add to that a couple of things but one is for the most part we typically get what we want. If we think about that saying, when we set our minds on something and we have a goal, we typically get what we want. So as Devin mentioned, do you want to get better? Do you want to be able to feel good about where you're at in life now? So yeah, you may have missed some, some time, you may have grieved some things, but do you want? to move past that do you want to be better and sometimes we have to do like the actions even though maybe our our um emotions and stuff are not completely in line with it you know that whole fake it till you make it that's not my thing faith it until you make it that's my thing so we act as if the things are so even though they're not because it's like levels to it so you can most definitely take some faith leaps before you actually feel like you're completely ready to because you have to faith it until you make it um but that is just kind of my two cents on just not being continuing to blame yourself and like shame is a whole nother um you know situation but living in the moment most definitely helps you with that shame and the guilt of things and like devin mentioned surrounding yourself you know with people because one thing that really you know it can it can um make things heavier you know than they should be if someone 
is actually kind of mistreating you or actually taking your shame for granted or they know you're guilty. So they're taking advantage of it and things like that. So that's why we have to go, um, shall I say, sit in your shit so that you can fully believe that you have nothing to be ashamed of and you can fully believe that you deserve every good and right thing um, in your life. So when those come around and try to tell you different, then you it doesn't um, impact you as much because you don't believe it. So what really impacts us is because deep down in there somewhere, we actually kind of believe it or it's just like so outrageous that, you know, that can impact us as well. But Yeah, that's that. Come on with this wordplay. Uh, get get this journal, Holly. Holly and her. <laughs> I'm telling you, I make it. Did, Come on, man. Did she say fake it to make it? Like faith it till you make it. Faith okay. it till you make yeah. it. <laughs> Come on, wordplay. Yeah, I, I'm gonna definitely steal that. So don't worry about that part. Oh, uh, uh, but this the thing, you know. Uh, I'm hearing what y'all what y'all saying about the grieving part, and you know, uh, mo- most of my grieving, I think, is more so of us that are the ones that are alive. All right, son. The ones that we are alive, but th- the reason being is because you know we still have to deal with the pain and the suffering of the world. You know, the ones that has passed on, they they no longer have that pain. They no longer have that suffering. You know, now I'm not sure about what everybody's actual faith is, but I am 100% Bible. I filter my life through it. I filter the world through it. And the one thing that I do understand is, is they are just resting and waiting in hope so to speak you know you can't say hope in a sense because they don't have any consciousness they don't have any you know anything it's like anybody that's ever been sick before you know you can't wait to go to sleep so you can feel better so you don't feel that pain you when you sleep and you're sick you don't feel that sickness you know so it's i kind of rest in that in that hope that God will, you know, he's going to right all the wrongs, you know, he's going to all this, everything right now that's supposed to be good has been turned to evil, you know, so I really grieve more so with us that's still alive that has to deal with this, you know, because you got principalities and spirits in high places that a lot of us are not even paying attention about, you know, if you look at the world out here, Every single family is suffering right now. There's something going on in somebody's family where they're suffering. Somebody has cancer. Somebody just passed away. You know, somebody has a kidney failure. Just just innumerable suffering. And so when when I think about all that, you know, I, I, I put my faith in God that those that are resting, you know, that are waiting, you know, they don't have to, they're not dealing with the suffering. They're not dealing with the pain and that we have a chance, 
you know, to right those wrongs, if that makes sense. Definitely makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It's actually kind of the acceptance stage of grief because you've attached to something that allows you to accept to move on because, hey, they're in a better place. So I absolutely can accept that and feel good about that. So it, it's kind of in that category of acceptance. I never one looked at it like that, that, but that makes sense. Yeah. Um, one of the other things that jumped out uh, to me, and, and this is something that I deal with a lot, is the guilt. Um, the guilt for moving on, the guilt for, you know, having happy emotions, uh, joyous emotions and, 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 um, enjoying life. Right. Um, that's something that it took me a long time, um, where, you know, to where I wasn't feeling as guilty about that. Now I still feel guilty at times. Um, you know, just because, some of the losses, like Ms. Nico said, like these are major losses. Like how could you be uh, in a position where you can move on and, and still smile and laugh uh, through the pain? But uh, I, I would I would go out on a limb to say that 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 that's uh, a very common uh, thing for, for for most people that are grieving is that they do find themselves uh, in a in a state of of um, feeling guilty uh, when they have gathered the strength. And the encouragement to to try to uh, enjoy life again. Yeah, that that that's kind of deep. Uh, I'm following what you're saying on that one, my brother. You know, uh, especially you know, uh, with 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 someone that you know you would consider that does truly have a heart of gold that could do some things major in the world you know some some good but they no longer have that opportunity and you know you like you said it, it, you go you have to get up you know what i mean but yeah you, you shouldn't have to feel guilty about it you know because that's what when we every last one of us that lay down when when we go to sleep at night we all having that thought process i'm gonna get up in the morning every last one of us you know, nobody really is. now there there's some people that that say, you know, life stinks. You know, what I mean, y'all remember that movie, that old school movie, Life Stinks, you know, and they may lay down and wish that they didn't wake up, you know, but that's that's the evil part of the world. You know what I mean? But in all in all, we all shouldn't feel guilty about trying to do something better the next day when we wake up because we all get that chance we all get that clock to restart once you lay down and get back up absolutely bro that's something that like i said i've had to learn um i shared this in another grieving session grieving session that um that's something that i had to kind of go through the emotions daily when I wake up, I have to kind of remind myself because sometimes I do wake up in an alternate reality um, where just momentarily I've forgotten um, that I've lost so many. Um, you know, one of the, it, it never fails. Like one of the first uh, desires that I have when, when I do wake up is, you know, I there's there's a small piece of me that just wants to call somebody. 
Like, I want to call my mom. I want to call my dad, my grandparents. Um, and, and I have to remind myself that they're no longer here. So um, it is. It's, it's a struggle. Um, and it's something that I had to learn to not feel guilty about, uh, you know, because because very early on in life, man, like I was, you know, waking up and having to remind myself. And um, it, it was just a, a feeling of guilt that would just come over me. If I if I did find the strength to get out of bed, if I if I did, you know, find laughter or joy in something, you know, once I got to school, and you know, we joking around on the bus or, you know, we we in the lunchroom, you know, and, and, and Donald is cracking on somebody. And, I, and now I'm, I'm over here just exploding with laughter. Like I would feel guilty about those things, bro, when I got back into solitude, because, you know, part of me, there was like this voice that was saying, how dare you uh, enjoy life? when you're supposed to be constantly grieving. So it's something that I've, I've had to learn the older that I get. Um, but it's something that I have to still process daily. I have to still wake up and remind myself. And, and, uh, Can I ask you a question, Holly? Yes, sir. Who or what told you that you're supposed to constantly grieve? You know, like, like I think where, where's that, where's that thought process? I think it was just, um, I think it was just me not understanding how to process death. Cause like, like I was 14 when I lost my mom and, um, you know, I can remember, um, probably like the day after my mom passed, um, I went right downstairs and turned on my super Nintendo and I was down there just enjoying myself. It was like, it was taking my mind off of things, but there was just something in my inner spirit telling me that I'm supposed supposed to feel guilty. I'm not supposed to be having a good time. I should be sitting around crying. I should be sitting around depressed. And so that's that was just something that I just I couldn't get rid of that inner voice um, early on. And I was so young that I didn't even know how to process the thought to be able to express it to somebody else. Mm. Man, that's a that's a different perspective, man. That's that's I appreciate that, man. I I, I, did, I didn't even look at it that way, you know, because I, I, I'm one of those ones, man, that as a kid, you know, it's always been bad things that's been happening to me, you know, so and nobody really cared in my thought process. So I kind of swallow things, you know what I mean? I take it as it is. And it's it's the, I, I think that's probably like she said, that's that that acceptance that I have, you know, like, it's like, I can't change it. You know what I mean? Like if, if I could, I would, you know, and because of, you know, that thought process and understanding that, you know, I, I, if I don't get up and I work for it, you know, I don't, I'm always, nobody's going to give it to me still, you know, like it, it, and and I and I understand where you're coming from, bro. Cause like that that mother's love, you know, when when you lose it at a young age, I, I got that same guilt. I I feel it. My my mother passed in 2010, but I ain't seen her since I was seven years old. You know what I mean? So it, it's it when I found out that you know that she passed, you know it, it hurt. But I couldn't, it, it was almost like I knew that it was going to happen. You know, I, as a kid, I always knew that by the time I found my mother, 
that she would have already passed away. I would not be able to see, I would never find her again alive. And that came true. You see what I'm saying? And so once I found out that she was gone, I, I, I accepted it almost immediately. But my baby sister, when I found her and she had that time, she still ain't she still ain't got over it. Mm. To this mm -hmm. day, you know, uh, then she just lost her dad, you know, a few uh, uh, about a month ago, you know. So, and, and she she and she grieve she's grieving hard, you know. And how do you tell somebody, yeah, it's it's gonna be okay, when they know that they don't feel like it's going to be okay. You know, how do you be the strong one? You know, so I, 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 your perspective has really, you know, opened up some light for me, man. And I appreciate you sharing that for me. Yeah, right on, bro. Um, I, I'll piggyback off of that and just kind of circle back to what you were speaking on because that made me think of something else. Um, so, like, when I first, when I first lost my mom, um, and like you said, you know, how do how do some how do you tell somebody that's gonna be okay when they don't they don't feel that inside, right? Um, I rejected it every single time somebody told me that. Um, and and not not just off of the bat, I would I would size them up. So whoever was telling me that, I'd size them up, and I'd size them up to the to uh, in the sense of your mama's still here, bro. Like you still got your mama. So how the fuck you going to tell me that everything going to be okay when you don't know how you going to react to this? And I'm 14 fucking years old. That's something that has carried on throughout. And like, that's one of the things that I have to continuously check myself about, bro, because I still have sort of those feelings of envy and jealousy for people that still have their mother. So, so that was something that, that developed with me at a very, very young age because it was a thousand people telling me Everything's going to be okay. Life is going to get better. You know, we move y'all to, to a different city. There was all of these promises of, of life being okay that I didn't feel the people telling me were qualified enough because they still had their mothers. So, so um, that's another aspect of, of, of uh, dealing with grief, bro, that um, it, it gets real heavy, man. Like there, there's a lot of uh, times that we internalize feelings, we internalize some of our thoughts and emotions that we're having, even as it pertains to other people that are genuinely just trying to show you support. Um, so what what helps me, bro, is um, just that last piece that I spoke on. When people say those things, bro, they are gen they are being genuine, bro. They genuinely want to see you uh, in a better place, in a better space. And I would just say you have to um, size up your tribe. You know, it's not necessarily about if they can 100 percent relate to what you're going through. Um, but can they be understanding and empathetic enough to not have to be constantly reminded that you're going through that? And, th and that's what's been a challenge for me, because there's times where, you know, I have snapped out. I'll snap out on the motherfucker. Like, did you forget I lost my mom? Like, did you forget that your mom is still here? You can still talk to your mom every day. Those are those are some of the things that I've had to check myself about um, throughout time. And, you know, it, it started with my mother. And like I said, it's always just been a domino effect. And so 
uh, subconsciously, I, I, I do. I, I kind of size them up when, when somebody says that to me. It's like, who is this saying this to me? Uh, can they even relate? Um, and then, you know, one last piece, just to even add more depth to that. I even found myself later in life hearing that from people who had lost their mother, right? And still feeling like they couldn't relate because they hadn't they hadn't gone as much time without their mother as I had. So uh, gr grief is is a very very tricky thing, bro. Because sometimes you can start to have uh, cynical thoughts about people that are truly just trying to show you some love and support and empathy. I struggle with that too. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, sir. No, I was just saying I was gonna piggyback off that because I struggle with that too. Like. I'm not quick to size anybody up right away, but I'm quick not to like, listen, like if you tell me, oh, it's going to be okay. And you still have your mom here or like, I lost both my parents. So you still got your parents here and you telling me it's going to be okay for me. And I, sometimes I just kind of shut that out sometimes because it's like, it kind of, kind of comes off as like, if somebody gives you something, you say, thank you just automatically. Sometimes it's just something nice to say and not necessarily you have that sympathy or empathy for that person. It's just something to say. Sometimes I feel like that. But um, I was just just going to say that I just I struggle with that, too, with sizing people up when it comes to stuff like that, because I I have a boyfriend. He has both his parents. You know, what I'm saying he doesn't get along with them all the time. And when you know, when I tell him, oh, you need to talk to your dad more, you need to talk to your mother about this and that. You know, he, he kind of he thinks about it, but, you know, you don't realize how much I would need. I would want that back. <laughs> so like, I definitely get to the part I struggle with that all the time. Yeah, that's a thousand percent right there. Holly, read uh, day five and then text me afterwards and tell me how that compares to what you just said, because it, it triggered me. I'm not going to read it because this ain't the uh, city of shit show. But definitely read that because it just made me think um, two things. One, I am very intentional when I when I tread um, in the grieving world because for me, I've lost a lot of people, but I feel like my biggest impact of loss was my grandmother. So I don't really understand loss. I don't understand grieving. And that's why I think a lot of my grief comes from um, things that are still here on earth because she was the only person that really uh, affected me when she passed. And in that moment, I didn't, I didn't grieve um, properly or in a healthy manner. So um, I say that to say it is kind of difficult when uh, you're trying to be sympathetic and uh, one of the things that Nicole says a lot, which is funny because I go to her for almost everything, if y'all can't tell, but um, a lot of people are quick to say married people can't give advice. And I feel like that's an absolute lie because if you live by the Bible, her, her comment, faith it till you make it. Like she has given me some of the best advice, not having certain experiences that I had because she's faith based. So I don't know if it's um, contradicting to what you guys are saying, and I'm not being insensitive to it, but I do think that even though people haven't experienced your pain 
or haven't walked in your shoes because again like holly also said you can lose somebody and the person can lose their parents and you're still trying to find a way to size them up or get a one-up because oh yo you just lost your parent a year ago i've been grieving for five years or 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 mm -hmm. vice versa I just lost my parent, your parent been gone for five years. So you've been sitting in this pain for this long. So um, how do you, how are you intentional if you didn't answer that question? Cause I don't think I heard it, but if you did uh, rephrase it for me, but how do you be intentional about receiving that love when, uh, when you're, when you're wanting to size them up? Like, how do you put yourself in a position intentionally to receive it and not push away your village because i know when my grandmother did pass that was something that i did like i didn't know that pain i never felt it and at that time it was like everybody get the fuck away from me but how do you get to a place where you're intentional about not bleeding on people because you're hurting me personally i feel like if somebody else lost their mother i can it, it it's more of a genuine feeling oh it's going to be okay or we're going to be okay like i don't size anybody up that's been through the same thing i've been through or lost the same person i lost like for instance like my sister on my dad's side she just lost her mom last year when she when she talks to me about the loss of her mother i feel her like whenever i tell her about my mother i feel like she feels me like it's like before her mom was still here i don't i didn't feel like she really understood where i was coming from but when she lost her mom, I I can feel the the genuine the genuineness of the hurt that she feels, and that goes for anybody else that went through the same thing I went through or un can understand what I went through. So I I wouldn't necessarily say that me personally would size anybody up that actually has went through it. It's just the people who don't go through it or haven't been through it yet. It it just kind of you know hits me or hits my spine a little bit. Yeah, so like for me, um, the way that I've uh, become better at it is um, putting myself in their shoes, right? Um, before I lost my mom, I had no idea what it felt like. Um, but if somebody lost their mom, I would I would tell them that it would be okay. I would be empathetic, um, you know. Before I lost my dad, before I lost my grandmother, right? I, you know, so I try to put myself in their shoes uh, because one of the things that I've kind of decided um, is that we as humans, we really just don't understand the concept of death. We don't, you know, we, we, we say it all the time, you know, you can be here today and gone tomorrow. We all know that uh, death is coming for all of us, but at the same time, we get up every day and we live life. Um, assuming that we'll live the next, you know, live to the next day. And um, so I think that just overall, just the human race, like, um, especially with the way that society treats death and loss, um, where, you know, we don't really get a whole lot of time to grieve, whether you're talking about time off from work, whether you're just talking about being uh, in a space where you can, you know, kind of go into solitude and try to process some of these emotions and thoughts. You know, when somebody passes away, it's like business as usual. The show must go on. Like you still got to get up and go to work. You still got to get up and be present, um, you know, in your community and in your family. And so uh, for that reason, we, we, we kind of become numb to the concept of, of death. 
Um, and, and that's at no fault of anyone. Right. And that's something that I just try to remind myself of. Like, it's like, um, you know, you, you, you may know that your, your people are not going to be with you forever. Um, but you know, until you actually are dealing with the loss of somebody, you really don't know how you're going to react, how you're going to process those things. And then you also don't know, um, what your level of understanding and comprehension will be until you go through those moments. So, um, again, it was something that I started very, very early on, uh, something that I still feel thoughts and emotions centered around. Uh, but the way that I check myself is just putting myself in the next person's shoes. Um, you know, because while I've lost a lot of, uh, different family members and people that I had relationships with, there are quite a few dynamics that I have not experienced. Like I've never, I've never experienced the loss of a brother. Right. And, and I got people close to me that, you know, lost their brothers, uh, you know, lost their siblings, sisters. I, you know, I, I had a stepsister that passed away and that devastated me, but it also frightened me because I'm like, you know, and I was very, very close with my stepsister, but you know, the fact remains it, it wasn't my blood sister. So I thought about that, like, man, like if, if, if I can have this much grief over somebody that was close to me, um, you know, through marriage, you know, what, how am I going to react when I'm losing uh, people that are in my immediate generation? Right. Like, so there, there are some losses that I've never experienced and I have to check myself on those things because the thing about loss and grief is that we all get affected by it, even if it affects us differently. But, you know, we, we really can't start putting a um, we really can't start putting a, uh, a number, a rating system on, oh, well, you know, losing your mother is 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 harder than losing a brother. Right. Like like because everybody's relationship with their loved ones is, is different. Um, and so I just I try to just check myself and put put myself in that person's shoes. And 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 just remind myself that I would probably be saying the same words of empathy and uh, condolences to that person, even if I hadn't necessarily experienced the exact same type of dynamic of loss. That is a great, great point, a great way um, to kind of help yourself to like kind of not do that, because like kind of as Devin mentioned, um, I mean, a lot of things are supernatural, you know, and it also depends on your faith and things like that. So it. You don't want to miss out on what can heal you because you think they can't relate. You don't you may not know where their words of comfort is coming from. You may not know what they've experienced, you know, and you may know that they haven't experienced the exact same thing you did, but you don't know what all they have experienced. So I try to keep that in mind when someone is genuinely trying to um, assist me, you know, in, in the in the grief process and and things like that, because at, at 10, losing my mother, at 12, losing my father, at 14, losing my grandmother, at, you know, like every place that I went to after one death, then there was another death. And then just a lot of, you know, losses in between. I'm, I really, honestly, I don't even think I had the capacity to worry about if anyone went through what I went through. I just needed help. Like if you had some genuine love 
and kindness and help for me, then, you know, I was just going to be open um, to that. So I, I don't I don't know that I personally did that. So it actually kind of shocked me a little bit as an adult when I have such a heart for people who have lost something. I have such a heart for those who are grieving and I've gotten, you know, pushed away and, you know, put to the side because it's like, whoop, I lost my daughter and that's never happened to you. And it's like, I have such a heart and I'm pretty sure I could help a little bit, but it's okay. You know, if you don't want to take it from me because I didn't have the exact same loss um, that you had. So that's one thing I do pray gets better you know, for people across the board, just to understand someone can still help you regardless to if they've been through the exact same thing um, that you have or not. And then another thing I just wanted to add that I thought about, because I'm currently reading this book, is called Power of Moments. And one of the stories in the book was that there was a, a very, very successful rich man who was diagnosed with cancer. And he had like three months. He was um given like three months to live and he literally um like mapped out those three months he like drew like i think it was like three circles or whatever so the one the people in the outer circle were like you know friends associates things like that the people in that middle circle were you know those that was a little bit closer like some family but still some really close friends and then the people in the middle was just family only just close close family and then he started um scheduling moments powerful moments with all of the people in the circle he started with the outside circle he would um you know reach out to people and kind of let them know what was going on um those in the outer circle he he could possibly even like send them a text or an email and tell them something you know that he appreciated about them or what you know they've done for his life and then as it got into the second circle it was more hey let's meet up let's have lunch um, let's, you know, let's talk about the good moments that we've had. Let's, you know, talk about, you know, anything that you kind of ever wanted to talk to me about. And then that inner circle was his family. So he was like taking, you know, like little day trips with he'll just go with just his sister or he'll just only take his mom and they would hang out. And so they was, you know, very intentional about how they spent like those three months um, left with him. And it made me think of that, uh, Rodney, when you mentioned like kind of how we don't understand death. And I think it's even more than just not understanding it. It's all about we just kind of know it's going to happen, but we absolutely do not live like it's going to happen. So we don't prepare for it um, because we are not having powerful moments. The moments that we should be having with people that most definitely will lighten the impact. If you know you said all you had to say and you know you love them, all the love that you can give, then the the grieving process is just a little bit different. Um, so if we would have more powerful moments while we're here, that most definitely um, prepares more for 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 um, those situations where we lose a loved one. Yes, yes to all of that. I can personally testify, you know, with my dad. I have lost people, but 
if I'm being honest, the loss of my father has been the one that's been the most difficult for me. I'm kind of like how Sister Devin was saying for her was her grandmother. You know, I always thought it would be my grandmother, um, you know, when I was younger. And my dad always talked to me about death. And he always talked to me about how he's not going to be here forever. And, you know, both of his parents were, were gone before the age of 20. Um, my grandmother, my paternal grandmother just disappeared. She went missing and was never found. Um, and so he, I don't know, I want to say we had the, the service of burying her maybe like five or six years ago. And that was two years before my dad died. Um, but, you know, he was grieving her death before I was born because she disappeared. You know, he was probably 15, 16 and my grandfather passed away when he was in his early teens. So he talked to me about it a lot. And I always was like, man, my grandmother is going to be the one that's the hardest for me. She was my cornerstone. She kind of, you know, raised me in those very, very young ages. I would say up until like age six, I was always with my grandmother. Um, but now fast forward to being 30, my father's death has been the one that that I don't want to use the term haunt but that comes up the most you know that interrupt or disrupts my day the most that disrupts my sleep the most that disrupts my thoughts the most it's it's the loss of my father and what gives me peace in that um is knowing that the last three months of his life my behaviors were different I was there for him I pampered him, I honored him. And we, we had some ups and downs in our father-daughter relationship. And even with that, I, I was a daddy's girl. Um, so I, I wholeheartedly agree with Nicole. Is, and, and, you know, you have to have powerful moments. And, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice your pride, your comfort for the, the loved ones that, um, you know, you're trying to create good memories with. Now, I'm not saying to allow them to be traumatic but or allow them to mistreat you or anything like that. But, you know, the weeks leading up until my father's death, he he was served as, you know, the father king, not not king of my world because I, I was engaged. I had a husband, but I don't regret any time spent with him. And we were able to, you know, have some serious conversations about unresolved trauma that had happened years before he passed. We were able to make men's and extend olive branches and really just connect in a level that was deeper than any other level. And those were very powerful experiences for me. Um, and I thank God for them. So. I just needed to share my testimony on that. You know, if there's anyone that you have been close with in life and maybe y'all are going through some tough times now, but there's still a loved one. Life is not forever. Tomorrow is not promised. Try to find a way to make a powerful moment with them because it will make a difference. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with that. Um, you know, for... In my mother's situation, um, you know, when I lost my mom, we didn't we didn't have that opportunity, uh, mostly because, you know, me and my sister were so young I and mean, my brother was even younger. He was only he had just turned one. Um, we didn't have those moments because the family and my mother included 
they didn't want to, you know, disclose what was truly going on with her, with the kids. Um, so, you know, that I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, and that's always been something that haunted me. Um, I even had some resentment towards some of the elders in my family uh, later in life. I told my mother's mother that before she passed. You know, I told her that uh, the way that they kept us in the dark was completely sinister. Um, not not giving us a, uh, the opportunity to have those powerful moments and to try to prepare for it. Um, I won't say that they downplayed her condition, um, but like with my mom, she uh, ended up going to the hospital in October of 92 uh, because she was having some really extreme back pains. And uh, she went to the hospital and she was there for like um, maybe two and a half months um, before they actually told us that she had been diagnosed with stomach cancer and that the cancer had spread to her back. That's where the pain was coming from. But what they didn't tell us was that you know, they had only given her maybe 45 days to live. So, like, um, it was only maybe about four and a half to five weeks after they told us that, you know, she had stomach cancer and that she was starting chemotherapy. Maybe four or five weeks after that, she was gone. Um, and um, so, like, the week before she passed, they sent her home from the hospital because there was nothing more that they could do for her. But you know, as a, as a young child, I didn't understand that any of that was going on. And so, like, the family kind of deprived us of, of, of having an opportunity to have those moments. So that's why I say I, I agree with Princess wholeheartedly on that. I agree with Nico wholeheartedly on that, that um, we, we have to start doing better in terms of preparing both ourselves and those around us um, for that day when we're no longer here. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, I most definitely didn't have an opportunity to do that as a child, you know, if you're losing parents at a younger age like that. But I just thought that was very insightful when I was reading it in that book. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's, it's good. I, I think that we, we need to get more in the habit of that. Um, there was a, uh, and I hate to, you know, bring up, you know, entertainment and television to it, but you know, we all uh, love the first Black Panther, but there was like this moment in uh, Black Panther, you know, where he, you know, talked to his dad in the afterlife. And, you know, I think his dad just kind of reminded him that he had prepared him for that moment. Um, you know, and, and I thought that that was a real powerful scene. I still can't get through the scene without crying like a baby. Um, but um, th those are moments that we, we, we do need to kind of start promoting that. Uh, more, not just in our community, but just in the world in general. Uh, we have to start preparing as much as we can for death um, and, and just being realistic and a thousand percent with each other about it because we all do have an expiration date and um, we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our loved ones uh, to try to have those powerful moments before um, before that day comes so that like Nico said, uh, it it, it kind of lessens the impact just a little bit. And sometimes that's all you need. Sometimes all we need is just uh, a little bit more relief uh, in dealing with grief. Powerful dialogue, y'all. Really good conversation. It was. I was um, 
ooh, I had to deal with myself because I was just triggered because um, that's how my grandmother passed from cancer and everybody hid it. And it was so crazy because um, when we did find out, I mean, I, I remember dropping everything and I literally moved in with my grandmother to help take care of her. And sometimes I'm resentful because I wanted those moments with her because I didn't realize that my time was was limited. And because I was so um, determined to to have moments with her, every moment that I think about her is always the first thought goes to the transition. Like it goes to me watching uh, that last month, everything going so quick from her up talking to her in a bed to um, having to take care of her because nothing is really working. She's just kind of passing time. And it really makes me angry sometimes. Like, damn, like if, if family really understood the importance of those powerful moments, I could have had a more peaceful, powerful moment with her rather than my last thoughts and images being me having to nurse her to her deathbed. Like that, that's the first thing. Anytime I think of my grandmother, like that's the first thing that comes to mind and then all the other moments. So um, I don't think in our culture, you know, everything is so damn hush hush that it's, it's, disgusting <laughs> i mean it is really disgusting that we will isolate um family when that is really a time to bring people in for last powerful moments like i really love that term powerful moments so i just want to thank princess for that because it, it makes me think like i have to find a powerful moment that i had with my grandmother to trump that transitional uh, memory because I mean I can wake up in night sweats with that being the thought first and then I have to force myself to think about a good moment because that was all I had last with her and you know a lot of times it's sometimes the actual person that doesn't want it to be shared they feel like they're protecting us you know sometimes like when my father um, passed away, like I was 10. So it was like, we literally moved out the house. My, you know, my mom, my mom moved me and my brother out the house because my father did not want us to see him like that. You know, that phrase, I don't want my kids to see me like this, you know, cause he was starting to get thinner and he was starting to you know, lose hair and he was starting to be like a little weaker and things like that. So that was like a absolute decision that he made. And my mom, you know, as his wife supported. And so I lost even more time because it was kind of like an abrupt move. Like it wasn't anything that they led us up to. It was just like at this certain point in time, we're leaving. And it's you know, it was kind of like that divorce type feeling like, are, are y'all divorcing? Like, why am I not living with my, you know, father anymore? And like, why am I going to just go over to the house that I grew up in just only every now and then and, you know, different things like that. So a lot of times for some, you know, reason, the adults are making these decisions to protect. And so it comes from a good place. 
um, you know, and they're trying to protect. But but yes, it is just if we could, you know, get our community to just kind of understand that those last moments, like just the power of moments, just being able to spend as much um, quality time with someone. And we we have to process the grief so we can process as well, you know, being able to spend some time with them, you know, like as much as we can, like before before they pass. But a lot of the times, yeah, adults are the one who, who are kind of making that decision like they don't want um, their loved ones to know. So that and I, I had a lot of resentment for, for like my loved ones because of that, because it was like, you know, you, you robbed me of a moment and, and you didn't consider the fact that I'm going to outlive all of y'all potentially. So 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 I'm the one that's left, you know, with dealing with this. And and uh, so I did. I had a lot of resentment. Um, I, I, I do have some some solace in the fact that I was able to talk to my mother's mother about that. Uh, my, my maternal grandmother, my grandma Flo was like my best friend. Um, you know, after I lost my mom, me and her developed a very, very close relationship and, uh, it continued up until her last days. She was literally like my best friend. Like I would kick it and hang out with my grandma Flo. Um, and, um, you know, so she actually did, um, she did treat that moment for her differently than they did for my mom. So like, you know, uh, once, you know, she had a brain tumor that they couldn't remove. And uh, so she shared that with us. I still felt like she was supposed to share it with us sooner, uh, but she did share that with us. And she kind of opened up the, the floor for us to be able to just talk and, and process those thoughts and emotions. And I told her that, you know, the situation had triggered me because it reminded me of, you know, when my mom got sick. Um, but, um, you know, I was grown at that point. So I, I was able to actually tell her how I felt about it. And we had some very, very powerful moments. I was able to ask her some questions about, you know, family history that that I never um, had the courage or the guts or even the space to be able to ask her about. And um, so we had we had a lot of, of good, powerful moments. Uh, but I will say this. I'm going to say this with the caveat, even with those powerful moments. Lord Jesus, like losing my grandma flow was super tough for me, even with the powerful moment. So I say that to, to just remind us that grieving um, is still a very real uh, series of, of, of emotions and thoughts that you have to continuously process. And, and I think that what we're uh, attempting to do tonight is to just say that any level of relief should work in our favor. Right. So even if it's just a small level of relief, that made it a little bit easier than if I didn't have that 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 level of relief and have those powerful moments and that, that opportunity to just kind of express myself to her. And also just to add to that, like anything that, you know, that most of us share, like anything that I know that I share personally, it's not to negate anyone's process of grief. It's not to negate that, you know it's really, really hard for you for long, long periods of time and things like that. Cause again, like to what Rodney said, like just trying to share anything that could bring an, a little ounce, you know, of relief is for you to use when you can use, even when you have the powerful moments. Well, that's, look, I'm about to say the S word, but for real, for, from deep down in my soul, 
that shit might not help today. Yeah, yeah. I had the powerful moments, but yeah. today ain't the day. You know, mm-hmm. so grief just hits you differently at different times, and it's just good to have your toolbox. You know, you can pull out what you can when you can, and sometimes you just gotta sit in it. You know, so. Yes, yes. You know, I I'm looking at the time. I don't know when we're gonna call it. I'm not rushing this, but I'm just thinking about future grieving episodes. I would love to talk about the power of forgiveness and the power of you know animosity when grieving because it's not it's not always those that are near and dear to us that we grieve and I, I, I just feel like we need some spaces of expression with that I don't know why when you said today ain't the day Nico <laughs> that just made me feel like man what about them the moments where you are angry where you hold something against somebody and they're not here for you to hold them accountable like what do you do (laughs) but that's a conversation for a different day wow that most definitely triggered me there so that's most definitely a good one to 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 try and dissect god dang it princess yeah i'm about to be all jacked now i'm about to go through all my Well, listen, I'll, I'll tell y'all what I'm going to do once, once, once we get in this session. Um, you know, I did, I talked earlier about, you know, how my, my father and some of my loved ones, you know, they loved Martin and, you know, Fresh Prince. Fresh Sample was another one for my dad. But for my grandma Flo, uh, my grandma Flo was a very, very big Tupac fan. Don't ask me how, because uh, this, this woman was born in the 30s. But, um, you know, just to give y'all a laugh, like, you know, if y'all remember when Tupac died, um, there was like a shitload of, of uh, unreleased music that hit the bootleg market. Um, you know, they had like Machiavelli 6 and all of these different uh, tapes that people had just released all this unreleased music on. And this was back, you know, in the late 90s. So this is before the Internet. So um, I remember coming home to St. Louis one time to visit my grandma and uh when i when i came in she's sitting at the table you know she's she's she, she's like you know roll me up a joint i'm glad you're here and uh she's listening to some tupac music i had never heard i'm like grandma what is this she said that's that machiavelli seven i said grandma how did you get a hold of this tape she said nigga how come you ain't got it you supposed to be the tupac man you know so um I, when i get off of here tonight uh princess uh, I'm asking for grace and forgiveness ahead of time because I, I might just put some Pac on on repeat uh, so that I can connect with my grandma flow again because we had very very funny moments, man. Like just with Tupac in general, so I, I try to relive some of some of those joyous moments through um, through that. Like you know, there's there's a lot of vibrations and energy that come with with, with music and entertainment and. Um, that, that that sometimes that's a way that that, that, that kind of helps me cope. Thank you for telling me because you know I I got a prayer meeting from nine to eleven and I need sanctification <laughs> energy, so I'd be taking that in the car. <laughs> I'd be taking that in the car, and I wouldn't be me if I didn't leave with everybody. This is a briefing session, uh, but I, I would definitely would say. For those who are not Christians, I always would like to encourage you to try Jesus. Don't don't try the man because man's gonna always fail. 
But if you really just try the word, there are some real empowering verses that can help give your soul some edification that you can't get anywhere else. So for everyone on the line, everyone that's listening, one of my favorite scriptures is when Jesus told the world, peace, I live with you. My peace, I give to you. Not as the world giveth, give I to you. Let not your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. So everybody just stay encouraged. Look for your peace. Find those powerful moments. And uh, all will be well. Amen. Amen. That's Amen. A segment on up out of here. I just want to encourage <laughs> everybody to find some good music to listen to tonight. Like that, that really just touched my soul. Like I'm at the throne and need a baker. Cause that was my grandma's girl. So um, when we, when we come back, I want to hear what everybody was listening to when we got off. Hopefully it'll lift your spirits because I think this was some great dialogue. And if you are anything like me, um, my spirit is a little heavy, um, in a good way, but I think like yeah. Rodney said, it's just time to go back and reconnect with our loved ones um, after such an amazing discussion. Use some of the tools um, that we picked up from one another. Uh, I appreciate everyone that came on the podcast tonight to um, share, to listen, to comment. And um, I am also lifting everyone up in prayer. Absolutely, man. I appreciate all of y'all for joining in. This was this was definitely much needed. I didn't even know how much I needed this tonight until uh, we got going. So I just appreciate all of the, the energy, all of the love, all of the encouragement that, that, that y'all shared tonight. Same. Same here. Um, absolutely needed. Absolutely got what I needed. I appreciate you all. Most definitely will keep you all in prayer and I will be listening to blues tonight just to let y'all know because that was my daddy's thing. He was a DJ. And so that's what we got to do. I know that's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so who's going to take us out? Princess, Miss Nico, Miss Devin? Or did y'all already take us out? Did y'all already take us out? Uh, Princess did um a little bit but, uh, <laughs> she said right so she's saying that i gotta take us out so all right um again we want to thank everybody for for joining for tapping in with us tonight uh you know these these sort of spaces uh are definitely very valuable uh very much needed for our community so um i definitely give everybody here kudos and their flowers takes a lot of courage. I say this as much as I can. It takes a lot of courage for us to um, open up to each other as a community, opening up to ourselves, right? Like that, that takes a lot of courage. And so uh, I definitely, we definitely appreciate you guys for, for tuning in and, and, and tapping in. Um, we try to do these griefing sessions uh, once every other month because, um, you know, it can be heavy and we, we recognize that. Uh, but but uh, as always, this was a, a very beautiful night, very beautiful session, and uh, I appreciate everybody for tapping in, and uh, we'll catch y'all next time. I hope we heal. Hope you heal. Appreciate you, man. Later. Hope we heal. Good night. I hope we heal. Good night, all. Let me show you what I can do. I can do. I can do. I can do.